Take your Bible and turn to one of the most exciting portions of Scripture. The genealogy. In Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3. When I was, of course, you know, came up to this part of the book, I had to stop and think a while. Now, do I preach something out of this, or do I just go on to the next chapter? But I decided to preach something out of it. And I think you'll agree that it is beneficial to us. But bear with me as I read it. We're going to start in verse 23 and read down through verse 38. Luke chapter 3. It said, Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age, being as was supposed the son of Joseph, which was the son of Heli, which was the son of Mathet, which was the son of Levi, which was the son of Melchi, which was the son of Jana, which was the son of Joseph, which was the son of Mattathias, which was the son of Amos, which was the son of Nom, which was the son of Esli, which was the son of Nag, which was the son of Maath, which was the son of Mattathias, which was the son of Semai, which was the son of Joseph, which was the son of Judah, which was the son of Joanna, which was the son of 
Resa, which was the son of Zerubbabel, which was the son of Silithiel, which was the son of Neri, which was the son of Mel Melchi, which was the son of Ada, which was the son of Cosm, which was the son of Elbadam, which was the son of Ur, which was the son of Josie, which was the son of Eliezer, which was the son of Joram, which was the son of Mathet, which was the son of Levi, which was the son of Simeon, which was the son of Judah, which was the son of Joseph, which was the son of jo Jonan, which was the son of Eliakim, which was the son of Mele, which was the son of Menon, which was the son of Mattatha, which was the son of Nathan, which was the son of David, which was the son of Jesse, which was the son of Obed, which was the son of Boaz, which was the son of Salmon, which was the son of Nason, which was the son of Aminadab, which was the son of Aram, which was the son of Esram, which was the son of Pharis, which was the son of Judah, which was the son of Jacob, which was the son of Isaac, which was the son of Abraham, which was the son of Therah, which was the son of Nahor, which was the son of Serak, which was the son of Rego, which was the son of Pelech, which was the son of Heber, which was the son of Selah, which was the son of Canaan, which was the son of Arphaxad, which was the son of Shem, which was the son of Noah, which was the son of Lamech, which was the son of Methuselah, which was the son of Enoch, which was the son of Jared, which was the son of Melil, which was the son of Canaan, which was the son of Enos, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, which was the son of God. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the privilege and opportunity that is ours to open your word this morning. And Lord, as we look under this passage of scripture, so many times we may skip over and think unimportant. Yet, Father, I praise you, help us to realize the importance of this genealogy from which our Lord Jesus Christ came. So speak to our hearts, encourage us, challenge us, bring conviction where conviction is needed, and may you be glorified. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I've titled this, The God-Given Record of the Messiah, Our Savior. In an article written by a guy by the name of Arnold Fruchenbaum, who I believe is Jewish, I believe, I'm not positive about that, but anyway, entitled The Genealogy of Messiah, he said this, and I quote, In 1982, Reader's Digest decided to make the Bible easier to read. Translators, paraphrasers, and a variety of religious entrepreneurs had been providing more and more modern versions of the Bible to keep pace with our rapidly deteriorating use of the English language. Reader's Digest went one step further, condensing the Bible, excising what they considered extraneous, providing an abridged version called the Reader's Digest Bible. Among the passages deemed unnecessary were the many genealogies. Yet the frequency with which genealogies appear in scriptures is evidence of their importance. Genealogies establish one's Jewishness, one's tribal identity, one's right to the priesthood, and one's right to kingship. Unquote. What we have here, we, you know, a genealogy is a record of one's ancestry. It's an ancestral record. This genealogy is a qualifying record of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, the son of David. Let me say that again. It's a qualifying record of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. So this genealogy is very important. In fact, it's so important that there is very few genealogies that exist as accurate as this one is. 
Of course, we know this is the Word of God, so it's at 100% accurate. Most of the genealogies, if not all of them, you know, I was trying to do a little more research, and, and I ran out of time, but, but uh, up until they started doing the Dead Sea Scrolls dig, the genealogies have been lost. This is it. So this is very important. I want to notice I have here um, uh, five things, four things, I guess, um, concerning this genealogy. Number one, uh, his, the genealogy of Christ, his genealogy fulfills all the promises concerning the pedigree of the Messiah. It fulfills all the promises concerning the pedigree of the Messiah. And I have four things under this point. Number one, Jesus is the seed of the woman. You know, Genesis 3.15 says, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, speaking there to, of course, to Satan who appeared as a snake. I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head. In other words, the seed of the woman bruised the head of Satan, and, and he did, Jesus did, and thou shalt bruise his heel. So Jesus had to be, or the Messiah has to be, the Savior has to be the seed of a woman. And in, and in Luke chapter 3 and verse 23, it says this, And Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age, being, as was supposed, the son of Joseph, which was the son of Heli. That word, phrase there, as was supposed, means to hold by custom or usage. To hold by custom or usage. Uh, and in Matthew's gospel, Matthew 1.16, if you read the, the genealogy in Matthew, it'll say so-and-so begot him, and so-and-so begot him, and so-and-so begot him. And then it says, so Jacob begot Joseph, of whom was born, of whom, um, how's to say that? No, I don't want to misquote that. Um, Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. So it doesn't say that Joseph begot Jesus. It says, of whom the husband of Mary, of whom, you know, Joseph, who was the husband of Mary, of whom was born. See, Jesus, so Jesus is the seed of a woman. He's not the seed of a man. He's not the seed of a man. But it doesn't mention Mary's name in the genealogy. And, and, and this, is, this is common, or this is, this is usually in keeping. Uh, this guy goes on and says, The absence of Mary's name is quite in keeping with Jewish practices on genealogies. Jewish Talmud, for example, which Talmud is a, is a basis for all codes of Jewish law and is widely quoted by, by rabbis uh, concerning their law. It's, it's really the... It's equal, they consider it almost equal with the Bible. But, but anyway, it says the Talmud recognized this genealogy to be that of Mary and not Joseph and refers to Mary as the daughter of Hela. Uh, and so when you see, when it says here in verse 23, and Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age, as was being as was supposed the son of Joseph, which was the son of Heli, what it's saying is Joseph is Heli's son-in-law. In fact, one commentator I read said that it was believed that Mary was the only child. And so Joseph became the legal heir of the family. Yeah, we can't prove that, but that's just what one commentator said. Uh, so, but, but it says here he was supposed. So, so he's not the son. In fact, 
He's the son of Jacob. Matthew tells us he's the son of Jacob, not of Heli. So he was son-in-law, and this is in keeping and common practice with a Jewish genealogy. Women weren't mentioned because the heir were not women, unless the only exceptions to that were where the, there was no sons, and then the, the ladies become heirs. But in genealogies, usually they were not mentioned. So he has to be the seed of a woman, which he is. This genealogy shows us that. The second thing, he was also to be the seed of Abraham. In verse 34, verse 34, it says, which was the son of Jacob, which was the son of Isaac, which was the son of Abraham, which was the son of Sarah, which was the son of Nahor. You know, in Genesis 22, you know, uh, 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 Genesis 22, God made a promise to Abraham. Um, we call this, of course, the Abrahamic covenant. We talked a little bit about that on, I guess it was Thursday night. But uh, in Genesis 22, part of that Abrahamic covenant was a seed. And this is, this is very important also. In Genesis 22:18, it says, And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. And if you compare that to Galatians chapter 3, verses 13 through 16, Galatians 3, 13, it says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Curse is every one that hangeth on a tree. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. And again, it, Genesis says that, that in thy seed shall all the nations, not just the Jews, but all the nations of the earth be blessed. And, and so Paul here writing to the church at Galatia says that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. This is the promised seed, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Brethren, I speak after the manner of man, though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth it or addeth thereto. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made, he saith not, and to seeds, as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. So when, Abraham, when God made this promise to Abraham that in thy seed, he was talking about one seed. That was Christ. That was Christ. And Hebrews 2.16 tells us that, that he took on, the, on him the seed of Abraham, made like unto one of us. So, so this, you know, he was the seed of Abraham. He fulfills the prominence of the covenant with Abraham. So we see he's, he's the, his genealogy proves he's the seed of the woman. He's the seed of Abraham. But also he is to be of the tribe of Judah. In verse 31, in verse 31, it says, Which was the son of Melee, which was the son of Menon, which was the son of Manatha, which was the son of, I'm sorry, I got the wrong verse there. 33, I'm sorry. Which was the son of Aminadab, which was the son of Aram, which was the son of Ezram, which was the son of Pharaoh, which was the son of Judah. Uh, so he was to be of the tribe of Judah. And again, that is spoken of back in Genesis chapter 49 and, and uh, verses 8 through 10. Genesis 49, 8 through 10. When, jo when Jacob is blessing his children before he dies, he said this. 
Judah, thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. Thy hands shall be in the neck of thine enemies, and thy father's children shall bow down before thee. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, thou art gone up. He stooped, he couched as a lion, and as an old lion, who shall rouse him up? The scepter, speaking of a king, shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come. And that word Shiloh is a different from all the other words, it's a different Hebrew word than all the other Shiloh words in the Bible. And it means this, he whose it is. He whose it is. So when Shiloh come, until Shiloh come, and unto him shall be gathered of the gathering of the people be. So, so he is to be of the tribe of Judah. And remember in Revelation 5, 5, when they're, when, when, when they, they brought out this book and John wept because no one man was found to open the book, to loosen the seals thereof. And then it says that the line of the tribe of Judah, the root and offspring of David, hath prevailed to open the book. So he is to be of the tribe of Judah. So his genealogy proves that he is of the tribe of Judah. But he is also to be the son of David. The son of David. And you go back to verse 31 that I started to read earlier. Which was the son of Mele, which was the son of Menon, which was the son of Mattatha, which was the son of Nathan, which was the son of David. Son of David. Uh, now, there's a little, it seems to be, go to Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter 1 and verse 6. You, want, you might want to keep your finger in Matthew 1 because we'll be going back and forth quite a bit between these two genealogies, genealogical records. But in Matthew chapter 1, verse 6 through 11, it says, And Jesse begot David the king, and David the king begot Solomon of her that had been the wife of Urias. You know, you know, here you're going to see women in, in genealogy, and I'll, and I'll explain that in a minute. But And Solomon begot Rehoboam, and Rehoboam begot Abiah, and Abiah begot Asa, and Asa begot Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat begot Joram, and Joram begot Osis, and Osias begot uh, Jotham, and Jotham begot Ahaz, and Ahaz begot, it's really Hezekiah, it's the Greek Hezekiah, Ezekias, and Ezekias begot Manassas, Manassas begot Ammon, Ammon begot Josias, Josias begot Jeconias, and his brethren about the time they were carried away to Babylon. So uh, it seems to be uh, there seems to be there's a discrepancy here because in Luke's gospel it says that that uh, that Nathan was the son of David and then in uh, uh, Matthew's it says Solomon the son of David. So why? Well, go to Jeremiah chapter twenty-two. Jeremiah chapter 22. You know, one of the things that Satan tried to do was to destroy the line of David. You remember um, when... Um, uh, was it Jehoram? Was it Jehoram? Or Hazai married the daughter of 
Ahab, Athaliah, and then Jehu in his judgment on the house of Ahab kills uh, the king of Judah. And so Athaliah destroys all the seed royal except this Joash who was hid by his nurse in a bedchamber. You see, Satan's out to destroy the line of David. He wants to destroy. He does not want the word of God fulfilled. That's what, that's, that's what he was out to do. And, and he worked continually to do that. And, and, we, and, and here's an example of him trying to do this. For, in Jeremiah 22, verse 24, it says, 22:24, As I live, saith the Lord, though Kaniah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, were the signet upon my right hand, yet would I pluck thee thence. Now, who is Kaniah? You know, and this is where you get into, can be confusing because kings can have two, three different names. Uh, this is the Jeconias of Matthew chapter 1. Uh, I'll prove that. Go to, go to uh, 2 Kings chapter 24. Uh, and I'll come back to this. Second Kings. Let's let's identify this man first. Second Kings, chapter twenty-four. In verse eight. Verse six says, And Jehoiakim slept with his fathers, and Jehoiakim his son reigned in his stead. So there's he's called Jehoiakim. If you go over to uh, um, 2 Chronicles 36.8. I'm sorry. 1 Chronicles 3.16. 1 Chronicles 3.16. To, to another genealogy. 1 Chronicles 3.16. And the sons of Jehoiakim, Jeconiah, Jeconiah, his son, Zedekiah, his son, and the sons of Jeconiah, now, if you, were, if you look in the Chronicles, when it lists the kings, you have no nobody by the name of Jeconiah. Instead, you have him named Jehoiakim. He's called Jehoiakim. So this, so this Jehoiakim is Jeconiah, and this Jeconiah is Kaniah. And God called him that because J means Jehovah. has to do with Jehovah. And look what God says about this rascal. Go to, go to Jeremiah chapter 22 again. Jeremiah 2.24. As I live, saith the Lord God, though Kaniah, the son of Jehoiakim, so he identifies who he is. He's the son of Jehoiakim. King of Judah, were the signet upon my right hand, yet would I pluck thee hence. I mean, if he were the signet ring, that the king you know, is, is very, keeps very secure, if he were that signet ring, I'd throw it away. I'd throw it away. He said, And I will give thee into the hand of them that seek thy life, in the hand of them whose face thou fearest, even into the hand of the Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon, into the hand of the Chaldeans, and I will cast thee out, and thy mother bear thee into another country where that ye were not born, and there shall ye die. But to the land whereunto they desire to return, thither shall they not return. Is this man, Kaniah, a despised, broken idol? Is he a vessel wherein is no pleasure? Wherefore are they cast out, he and his seed, and are cast into land which they know not? O earth, 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 hear 
word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Write ye this man childless, a man that shall not prosper in his name in his days, for no man of his seed shall prosper, sitting upon the throne of David, and ruling any more in Judah. So God pronounced a curse on this man, and said, you know, he's going to be cast out. He's a broken idol. He's a broken piece of pottery. He is worthless. And there will not be anybody to sit on the throne of this man's lineage anymore. No sin of his shall be king ever, is what the Lord says. Matthew Poole said this, Kaniah, he meaneth Jehoiakim, whose name was Jeconiah, for all Josiah's sons had two names, so had his grandchild Jeconiah. Here in contempt, God called Kaniah. He saith that though this Kaniah were as dear to him as his signet, which every man keepeth safe, yet this should not secure him from divine vengeance. So, the son of David, king of Israel, the Messiah, who is to rule on the throne of David his father, cannot be the son of Solomon. He can't come through Solomon's lineage. He can't be the, of the descendants of Jeconias because of this curse. Uh, he cannot be the son of Joseph. Joseph is of that lineage. You see, but he's the seed of the woman, hence the virgin birth. In fact, this uh, man, Arnold Fruchenbaum, in his article, said this, that the purpose of Matthew's genealogy then is to show why Jesus could not be king if he really were Joseph's son. The purpose was not to show the royal line. For this reason, Matthew starts his gospel with a genealogy, presents the Jeconiah problem, and then proceeds with the account of the virgin birth, which, from Matthew's viewpoint, is the solution to the Jeconiah problem. In summary, Matthew deduces that if Jesus were really Joseph's son, he could not claim to sit on David's throne because of the Jeconiah curse. But Jesus was not Joseph's son, for he was born of the virgin Mary. So, yes, Though he is not of the lineage of the kings that were in Judah, he is still a son of David through Mary. And this genealogy in Luke proves that. You know, again, through a different son of David, and that is Nathan. Uh, so he can inherit David's throne through another of David's sons. Therefore, he is legally David's son. Nathan and fulfills the promise that God gave to David and the promise that God gave to David was this 2 Samuel 7.16 and thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee thy throne shall be established forever and there are many prophecies concerning this but Isaiah 9, 6 and 7 tells us that he would rule over the house of David and of his kingdom there be no end 
Luke 1, 32 and 33, when the angel was speaking to Mary, said, And he shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord shall, God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. The apostles spoke of this also in his first uh, sermon on the day of Pentecost. Peter spoke about this in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, verses uh, 22 to 36, when he said, Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should hold in a bit. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known unto me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Men and brethren, let me speak, freely speak unto you of the patriarch David. He is both dead and buried, and his sepulchre is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him, that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. And of course, again, in Revelation 5, 5, where he's called the root, the offspring of David. Revelation twenty two sixteen says that he's the root and offspring of David, the bright and morning star. So he is the descendant of David, King David. Yet outside the curse of Jeconiah because of the virgin birth. You know, you can't, you can't fool God's plan. You can't spoil God's plan. So his genealogy, his genealogy fulfills all the promises concerning the pedigree of the Messiah. Secondly, his genealogy be proves he became a member of the human race. Now, verse 38 says, you know, of course you read, read all, through all this, but verse 38 says this, which was the son of Enos, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, which was the son of God, of course, by creation. So he's the seed. He's not only the seed of Abraham. He's the seed of Judah. He's the seed of David. He's the seed of, he's the seed of, Abraham, of, of Adam. Uh, of Mary. Uh, and and so, so he was and is a real human being. In 1 Timothy 2.5 says this, For there is, present tense, there is, present tense, one God and one mirror between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. You know he's as much as a man as human being as you and I are he still is but he's also every bit of God but he he became a member of the human race one commentator said this quote a genealogy may not seem like much but it exactly establishes Jesus credentials as a member of the human race a Bible translator to a distant tribe saved the genealogies for last because he thought them the least important part of the Gospels. But when he finally finished them last of all, the tribesmen were astounded 
They told the translator, You mean to tell us that this Jesus was a real person with real ancestors? We had no idea. Unquote. You know, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. John 1, 14, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. 1 Timothy 3, 16, Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. John said in 1 John 1, 1, That which we have which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. And you remember when Jesus appeared to his disciples in Luke 24, 39, as they doubted and thought he was a ghost, he said, Handle me and see, a spirit hath not flesh and bone, as you see me have. You see, his genealogy also proves that he is a member, he became, became a member of the human race. Thirdly, this genealogy, his genealogy proves that those who reject him will be judged. Notice again verse 31. And, and this is evident really by the differences between the genealogies. In, in, in verse 31 it says, which was the son of Mele, which was the son of Menon, which was the son of Mattatha, which was the son of Nathan, which was the son of David. And of course, the change in Matthew 1.6 change, you know, it says and David begat Solomon and Solomon begat Rehoboam and so on all the way down to Jeconias. You know, though Solomon, you know, though Solomon was chosen to be the next king after David, his offspring were rejected because of their sin. In fact, Look at, look at, I should have told you to keep your place there. In Jeremiah 22, speaking about Jehoiakim also, uh, Jeremiah 22, and verse 17, you know, this family, you know, the Lord said, was it Exodus 20, verse 4 or 5, that he will judge the iniquity upon the fathers to the third and fourth generation of them that hate me? And, you know, and of course, you know, God doesn't judge a son for his father's sin, but a father's sin will affect a son's life. You know, a son can, can change, can repent, and not live like his father. But many times, you know, we call it generational sins. They're passed on. And this was the case in this family. In Jeremiah 22, verse 17, it says, But thine eyes and thine heart are not but for the covetousness, for to shed innocent blood, and for oppression, and for violence, to do it. Therefore, thus saith the Lord concerning Jehoiakim. Now, Jehoiakim was the son of Josiah. He was Jehoiakim, or Jeconias' father. Thus saith the Lord concerning Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah. They shall not lament for him, saying, All my brother, or all sister. They shall not lament for him, saying, All Lord, or all his glory. He shall be buried with a burial of an ass. Drawn and cast forth beyond the gates of Jerusalem. Now, 
We don't know exactly what that burial of an ass means, but one conversator thinks that he was just drawn out of the city and killed and just cast aside in some pit or trash heap and left. The king. Yeah, that's what God said would happen to him. Because he loved covetousness, he loved oppression, he loved the shedding of blood. This is the offspring of Solomon and David. David was the man after God's own heart. And God loves Solomon. He called him beloved at one point. Yet his line, but you know, God is no respecter of persons. Though God loves Solomon, yet his line was set aside because of their sin against him. God is no respecter of persons. He doesn't have pet favors. You remember in 1 Samuel 2 and verse 30, you know how Eli's sons were wicked. And, 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 and God had made a promise to, to Eli's house. But in 1 Samuel 2.30, he said this, Wherefore the Lord God of Israel saith, I said indeed that thy house and the house of thy father should walk before me forever. But now the Lord saith, Be it far from me, for, him, for them that honor me I will honor, and they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. In other words, your, your, your family is going to be set aside, cast out from the priesthood. And when Solomon became king, he finalized that scripture when he cast Abathur out of the priesthood to fulfill the word of the Lord to Eli. That's what it says. You know, Romans 14.10 says, We shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And verse 12 says, so then every one of us, talking about us people that are saved, will give account of himself to God. We're all standing before the judgment seat of Christ. 1 Corinthians 3 tells us that as well. Now the wicked are all going to stand before the great white throne judgment. Uh, Revelation 20, 12 and 13, and I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. The books were open, another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to the works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. See, this genealogy proves that those who reject him will be judged. Will be judged. If some of these were the seed of David, a man after God's own heart, and yet they were cast out of the lineage of Jesus Christ because of their sin. Then number four, his genealogy demonstrates Christ died for all mankind. Notice Luke 34, or I'm sorry, Luke 3, 34. I want to start after the name Abraham, which was the son of Sarah which was the son of Nahor, which was the son of Sarek, which was the son of Regu, which was the son of Thalek, which was the son of Heber, which was the son of Selah, which was the son of Canaan, which was the son of Arphaxhad, which was the son of Shem, which was the son of Noah, which was the son of Lamech, which was the son of Methuselah, which was the son of Enoch, which was the son of Jared, which was the son of Melili, which was the son of Canaan, which was the son of Enos, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, which was the son of God. Now, 
Can anybody tell me what's different about these names and all the rest of this genealogy? What's different? What started with Abraham? Huh? The Jews. Jewish nation started with Abraham. So these are pre-Jewish. You want to get real technical. And if you go to Matthew chapter 1, there's something else that's significant in Matthew's genealogy that, we, of course, we don't see in Luke's. But this emphasizes this point. Matthew 1, verse 1, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begot Isaac, and Isaac begot Jacob, and Jacob begot Judah and his brother. And Judah begot Pharaoh and Zerah, Zerah of who? Tamar. Tamar? Tamar's in the lineage of Jesus Christ? You know who Tamar was? Well, let's move on. Pharaoh begot Ezra, and Ezra begot Aram, and Aram begot Amedadab, and Amedadab begot Nason, and Nason begot Salmon. Salmon begot Boaz of Rechab. Who's that? Rahab. What was Rahab? A harlot. And Boaz begot Obed of Ruth. Who was Ruth? A Moabite. A Moabite was not to enter into the congregation until the tenth generation. But it doesn't end there. And Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David the king, and David the king begot Solomon of her that had been the wife of Urias. Now it doesn't give her a name, but it tells who, who she was. She was the wife of Bathsheba, committed adultery with David. She's the wife of Uriah. Now, we don't know for sure, but most likely she was not Jewish either. Uriah was a Hittite. Certainly, these three other women, the first three, are all Gentiles. They're all Gentiles. And probably Bathsheba was probably Gentile also. Three of the four are guilty of sexual sins. Tamar, an incest with her father-in-law. That's how she got Pharisees and Zaham. And, of course, Rahab, the harlot, and Bathsheba. Ruth was a virtuous woman. You see, yeah, he is the son of God, but also the son of man. And Luke tells us, Luke 5.32, that I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. You see, the point of this is, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, and he came to die for the sins of the whole world, not just the Jews. Not just the Jews. 1 John 2, 1 and 2 says, My little children, these things write unto you that you sin not, and if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is a propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. You see, 
his genealogy demonstrates that Christ died for all mankind. Though he was born a Jew, he came to die for the sins of the whole world. He came to die for sinners like you and I. So, as we think about the genealogy of Jesus Christ, it proves, this genealogy proves that he meets he qualifies to be the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of David, the Savior of the world, who came to die. He, can't, he didn't come just to be a Jewish king. He came to die for our sins and the sins of the whole world. He's no respecter of persons, whether it's Jew or Gentile. doesn't matter. Sin is sin. And where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. And so you have people like Tamar, Rahab. By the way, Rahab raised Boaz, one of the godliest men in the days of the judges. Think about it. Bathsheba raised Solomon. He was a very wise and godly man in his early days. And of course, Ruth raised Jesse, who raised David. See, God can, came into the world, Christ came into the world to save sinners. Paul said, of whom I am chief. And he can make us and conform us into the image of his son. Do you know him as your Lord and Savior from sin? He came to die for your sin and mine. He is, and he is our coming king. Um, the genealogy proves that he is.